शो मित्रुण शो भवत्ंद्र बृहस्पति शो विष्णुक्रम नमो ब्रह्मणे नमस्ते वायो प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्मसी प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्म वदिष्या वदिष्या सत्यम वदिष्या तन्मावधु तद्वक्तावधु मवत वक्ता सहनावदो सहनो भुन सह वीकस्वीनावधीतमस्तुम विद्विषा शांतिशांतिशांतिशंदसमृषभ विश्व छंदोभ्योध्यमृतासंबूव समेन्द्र मेधयाणत तस्वधारणो भूयास शरीर मे विचर्षण जिह्वा मे मधुमत्तमा कर्णाभ्यांभूरी विश्रुव ब्रह्मण कोशोसी मेधया पीद श्रुत मे गोपाय शातिशातिशातिहम वृक्षतिपृंगिरेव ऊर्धपवित्रोवाजिनी स्वृतमस्विण गुंसवर्चस सुमेधाृतोक्षिशंखोर्वेदाचनम शातिशातिशातिदूर्णमदूर्णमदूर्णमुद्यद पूर्णमादा पूर्णमेंशातिशातिशातिश्रुतिस्मृतिपुराणालय नमा भगवत्दशंकोकशंक शंकर शंकराचार्य केशव बादरायण सूत्रभाष्यकृत वंदे पंता पुनः पुनः 
ईश्वर गुरुरात्मेरे मूर्ति भेद विभागिने व्योमवद्व्याप्तदेहाय दक्षिणामूर्तये नमः अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अवांग मनसगोचरम अवांग मनसगोचरम आत्मानमखिलाधारम आत्मानमखिलाधारम आश्रये भीष्टसिद्धये आश्रये भीष्टसिद्धये अर्थतोप्यद्वयानंदान अर्थतोप्यद्वयानंदान अतीतद्वैतभानतः गुरुनाराध्य वेदांत गुरुनाराध्य वेदांत सारं वक्ष्येय सामदे सारं वक्ष्येय सामदे आत्मवस्तुने मिथ्या प्रपंचस्य सामान्यतः विशेषतस्य अध्यारो प्रकारं सप्रपंचम अभिधाय व्हाट इज इंडन सो फार इज दैट द टीचर इज Describe what is known as Adhyaropa Superimposition. As it was said earlier, Adhyaropa Vavadabhyam Nishprapancham Prapanchade. In fact, the truth, namely Brahman, cannot really be described in words and cannot be defined in any way because a word is just too limited to be able to encompass Brahman and still through the words alone it is to be communicated and it is communicated also. And therefore the teacher employs a very beautiful method here known as Adhyaroba Apavada. Adhyaroba superimposition. Apavada is negation. Falsification of what has been superimposed. Thus it will be explained here. It was said earlier what is Adhyaroba that was defined. Asarva Bhutayam Rajyavu Sarparovat Vastuni Avastvarovah Adhyaroba. This is upon the rope which is totally devoid of snakeness. The rope that is totally devoid of snakeness. So upon rope such as this superimposition of snake is called Adhyaroba. And similarly also upon this Vastu, upon the truth, upon the self or Brahman, that is totally devoid of any samsara, totally devoid of any duality, totally devoid of any sense of limitation, whatever, totally devoid of even the creation of prapancha, inasmuch as creation means something limited, Brahman or the truth that is totally devoid of all of this, upon Brahman such as that, or upon self such as that, a superimposition of prapancha or this whole universe, in the whole duality, and therefore the sense of limitation, all of that is called Adhyaroga. <coughs> this Adhyaroga, the superimposition, is a fact of life. Why is it necessary for the teacher to employ this kind of, this method of Adhyaroga and Pavada? First to superimpose and then negate it? It is not that teacher superimposes, there is superimposition of things. That superimposition Upon the truth is something that is a, that is something that we experience. 
So this so-called superimposition of the Mahārūpa really is to explain our experience. In spite of the fact that the truth is one without a second, we experience duality. In spite of the fact that the self is free from, lim- or free, free from all limitations, we experience sense of limitation and bondage and smallness and littleness. So this is a fact. And that fact has to be explained somehow. Ultimately, the teacher has to say that what you think you are or what you think the world is is not true. But before saying that, it is necessary to explain why we feel the way we do. Why do I feel what I do? Why do I feel that I am an individual, that I am limited, that I am small, I am bound? Why do I feel that? Or why do I see the whole world different from me, full of duality and diversity? Why is it so? And to explain these experiences, explain the duality, explain the samsara, explain our sense of limitation, is this whole process of what we call a dhyarapa or superimposition. <coughs> and thus it becomes necessary for the teacher to show us how this duality came about. Because his question arises, how is it so? The why is not explained, but how is explained? Or what is really, what is explained? Or what is this duality? And so it is said that vastu is nothing but satyam, satya jnana, ananta, advaya, anandam, this brahman is vastu. Brahman, which is truth, knowledge or intelligence, free from limitation, which is full, complete, non-dual, that is the vastu, that is the truth. And also on how, Everything beginning from ignorance right up to the gross world that you experience, all of that falls in the category of avastu or untruth. And to explain this creation, this ignorance was explained as that possessing this twofold power. Ignorance also is a fact of life, that I am ignorant of the nature of truth. I am ignorant of God. I, I, I think that I know. Or I believe that God is, but I am ignorant of what exactly his nature is. Or at least I have not seen him. I am ignorant of the true nature of myself. So ignorance of the self or ignorance of the truth also is a fact of life. Otherwise we would not have been here. You see, even the scientist investigates why? Because there is ignorance. So the whole world is investigating. Our mind is constantly investigating. Because there is ignorance and there is a constant attempt on our part to dispel this ignorance. So that ignorance also is a fact of life. And it will explain how this ignorance has twofold power. One is the power to veil or conceal, another is the power to project. How the very ignorance, because of this concealing of the veiling power, veils the nature of reality from ourselves, from us, and instead of reality it projects the non-unreal. How the rope is veiled from our vision, and where the rope is, a snake is superimposed, this twofold process of avarana and vikshepa, or veiling and projection, this is what was described. And how then from the projecting power the whole world of duality came about? How from this projecting power the five elements, the space, and the air, and the fire, and the water, and the earth came about? Now as we have been saying, this five elements is a prakriya, is a method that is employed by the teachers to explain. And it is an excellent method because it goes it it goes very well with the the uh, the kind of 
experiences we have, that we have five organs of perception, with which we experience five-fold objects, and therefore they are said to be made up of these five elements. And I explained also how this model of five elements is a very important model because it, it has a lot to do with even the process of yoga, etc., and concentration, whatever. And so by this model of five elements, the from the subtle, and then uh, the five subtle elements are there, each one possessing the sattva, rajastamas, the three qualities, and how from the quality or the, the aspect called sattva, the sense organs of perception and the mind evolve, how from the aspect called rajas, the prana and the organ, uh, organs of action and the prana evolve, and how the aspect that was tamas of these five elements, how this tamas aspect went through this process of panchikaranam, or the mutual combination, the fivefold combination, and how the five gross elements came into being. <coughs> And how from these five gross elements, by their combinations, we have this elemental creation consisting of the earth, and supposedly higher worlds, and the lower regions of experiences, and then the living beings in, in all these regions of experiences, and the various objects of experience for these living beings, how all of these came into being from these five elements. And this is how the whole universe, the creation was explained. <coughs> Having explained that, then subsequently the teacher also said that this is what we call Samanya Dhyarupa, or the general superimposition. Then there is what we call Vishesha Dhyarupa, or the particular superimposition upon the self, upon the, the self. <laughs> Pratyatma. How people superimpose different concepts upon the self? How do people have different ideas about the self? Because of what we call, again, Dhyarupa, or identification on account of not being able to discriminate between the self and the non-self, that there is an identification with the non-self, and because of that, various notions about the self arise. The grossest notion is when one is totally identified with one's own child and thinks that the child is the self. And subtler than that is the identification of the body and how one comes up with the notions, I am a man or a woman or whatever. And from... And subtler than that is identification of what we call sense organs. From there we arrive at the notions, I am blind, I am deaf, I am dumb, I am lame, whatever. From there the identification, the prana, the vital force, from which arise all these notions, I am hungry, I am thirsty, and whatever. And subtler than that is identification of the mind, the emotional faculty, from which we have these experiences or conclusions such as, I am happy, I am unhappy. And from subtler than that is the identification of what we call the intellect, from which arise the notion, I am the doer, I am so and so, I am the knower, I am the enjoyer. And subtler than that even is this identification of what we call the happy being, the anandamaya, from which arise the notion that I am happy. So, all of these notions were described. This is the or I am ignorant, so ignorance is the self, or as we said, the consciousness conditioned by ignorance is taken by the self, or finally, some people don't take the shunyam, or the non-existence as the nature of the self. How on account of mistaking, or taking one thing to be the other, how on account of taking the body to be the self, that a series of notions are there, how on account of taking the mind to be the self, how on account of taking the intellect to be the self, how on account of taking void as the self, these are all experiences. 
but not being able to understand the experiences, we come up with wrong conclusions. So it is not that self is not experienced, but what we are lacking is a discrimination. The ability to separate the self from the non-self. And this lack of discrimination is what is responsible for these various notions that there are, and how these notions arise, and what is the cause of the notion. How given experiences lead us to given conclusions? How the experience of deep sleep, for example, leads one to the conclusion that ignorance is my nature? Or how the very same experience leads another one to the conclusion that no, consciousness conditioned by ignorance is my nature? And how the very same experience leads someone else to the conclusion that no, the kshanika vijnanam or the momentary consciousness is the nature? And yet someone else thinks that no, shunyam or the non-existence is my nature. So experiences are the same. But those experiences are evaluated and understood differently by different people and that is how they come with come up with different conclusions. This is what we call adhyaroga or the particular kind of superimposition taking place upon the self. And then it was discussed lastly how this is how these conclusions are not right. <coughs> so this process of adhyaroga or superimposition has been explained in great detail. As I said, in order to explain our experiences of the sense of limitation with reference to the self and this duality with reference to the creation. <coughs> Next follows what we call apavada, which can be translated as negation. Or to show that, what is, to show the false as false and that is how to show the real as real. So whereas today's experience is what you might call a lumping together of the real with a superimposed, I mean a false superimposed upon the real, then the process of apavada or the negation will reveal what is real and what is unreal. So unreal will be revealed as unreal in order to reveal the real as the real. And so, tat idanim tat apavada prakaram vastum arvate apavada. Now the author begins this process apavada or de-superimposition if you want to say or negation. <coughs> Thus we come to the passage 137 on the page 81. So going back into the final cause, the reverse process. From the cause we came down to the effect, this is called adhyaroba. So from the cause coming to the effect is called adhyaroba or superimposition. <coughs> Like someone describing the process of how an ornament came into being from a lump of gold and how that gold passed through different stages ultimately and ultimately uh, many, I mean, came into the state of what we call an ornament like a bangle. Because bangle is what I see. Now the teacher wants to show me that what you think is bangle is really gold. But for that first it is necessary to explain how the Bengal came into being and therefore that process of creation or superimposition of this name and form called the Bengal is explained. How this process of superimposing name and form. Bengal is a name and, and corresponding to that there is a form. And how this name and form came to be superimposed is explained in the whole process how the lump of gold and was from, first formed into a rod and then into a bar and then into a wire and then what all processes it went through 
you can explain it in great detail and then the student understands yes i understand now how the bengal is how the bengal came to being but that is not the theme of teaching actually teacher wants to show to the student that what you think is bengal is really gold but he is not said right away right away he said this is look this is how the bengal came to be created and the student says yes now i understand that this is bengal then the apavada then the teacher takes reverses the whole process going back to the final cause reverses the process and takes then shows how the bengal resolves into a bar and that resolves into a rod and that resolves into this and that resolves into lump and that is nothing but the gold and this by the reverse process which is called apavada the teacher makes the student see that this object called the bengal is nothing but gold <coughs> and that is what will be done now so beginning the the discussion begins with this passage 137 apavado nama apavado nama rajjivivartasya rajjivivartasya sarpasya rajjumatratvavata rajjumatratvavata vastuvivartasya वस्तु विवर्तस्य अवस्तुनः अज्ञानादेहे प्रपञ्चस्य वस्तुमात्रत्वम् वस्तुमात्रत्वम् अपवादो नाम व्हाट इज नोन एज अपवाद डी सुपरइम्पोजिशन और निगेशन इज दिस रज्ज विवर्तस्य सर्पस्य so this explain this vivarta will be explained in the subsequent passages vivarta is a technical term so viparita vartanam that is called vivartatvam so behaving or manifesting in a manner which is quite contrary to one's own nature is called vivarta <coughs> rajju vivartasya sarpasya sarpa the snake rajju the rope so what is snake rajju vivartaha snake is called rajju vivarta rajju means rope so snake is called the vivarta of the rope vivarta will be explained how when a thing appears to be different from what it is then that appearance is called vivarta so you may say vivarta means appearance a false appearance projection superimposition is called vivarta so snake or the sarpa is called rajju vivarta that which is an appearance of rajju or an appearance of the rope <coughs> so rajju vivartasya sarpasya that sarpa or the snake which is falsely perceived in the rope or which is superimposed upon the rope or which is an appearance of the rope rajju matratvata when we really analyze that snake what does it turn out to be it turns out to be nothing but rajju so when we show a light from the torch there and then that object reveals itself with nothing but the rope without leaving on a trace of the snake so that snake does not in any way influence or affect the rope at all and thus the snake completely disappears is completely destroyed this is in true sense is called nasha or destruction so that destruction of the snake 
in the wake of the knowledge of the rope is called the apavada. So that process is called apavada, the superimposition or negation. Sarvasya rajjumatra tvavat, just as that apparent snake, it results into or it, it, it resolves into pure rajju or pure rope without even leaving a trace of the snakeness. Similarly also, vastu vivartasya avastunaha agnyanadev prapanchasya. This prapancha meaning this creation. Agnyanadehe, beginning from ignorance. So beginning from ignorance right up to this grossest creation is what we call prapancha, this whole creation. And what is the nature of this creation? Avastunaha, which is avastu. So Brahman is vastu and the whole creation is avastu or unreal or mithya. Avastunaha agnyanadehe prapanchasya vastu vivartasya. And just as the snake is an appearance of the rope, so also this whole prapancha, the whole creation also is an appearance of Brahman. So, Rajyavartaha Sarpaha, Vastuvartaha Prapanchaha. This prapancha of the creation is nothing but an appearance of Vastu, appearance of truth or appearance of Brahman. Prapanchasya Vastumatratvam. And just as when we show the torchlight at the snake, and how the snake reveals itself to be nothing but the rope, and so, so when we throw this torchlight of inquiry upon this prapancha, throw the torchlight of inquiry upon this creation, upon duality, upon the sense of individuality, upon what we call the samsara, upon this life of limitation and seeking, when we really show that the torchlight of vichara or inquiry, then this whole creation and what we call the jiva and all of this reduces itself totally into what we call vastu or brahma, leaving nothing but brahma there. Just as a snake leaves nothing but rope there, and so also this whole prapanya, the creation, including our sense of individuality or hankara, leaves nothing but vastu or brahma there. So when this happens, that process is called apavada. <coughs> Asangoda, asangoda, asangoda sine paramatma vastuni. What is vastu of the truth? Paramatma. What is paramatma? Paramatma. Atma means the self. And this, it is called paramatma. Even the word atma or the self is enough. But then they add this, uh, you know, the, uh, the word there, paramatma, the adjective. Because the body also is called the self and the mind and so many things are called self, which reference to that paramatma means the limitless self. What is parama? That which is devoid of all the limitations. So that self also is there. Even if you call the body as a self, okay. The mind is a self, fine. But compared to this body, mind, etc., that is what we call paramatma, or the self that is limitless. Because of which this body comes to be called the self. That because of which the mind comes to be called the self. That Paramatma, which is what? Asanga Udasina. That Paramatma, the true self, is Asanga, unconnected to the body, unconnected to the mind, unconnected to anything. So even it's not that I am not the body, but this body is not mine also. Understand? Somebody may say that I am not the body, but the body is possessed by me. No. I am not connected in any way. 
neither as, as a possessor or nor as owner or as the self. Udasina. And whereas constant changes are taking place in the creation, constant changes are taking place within our own personality, that Paramatma is Udasina. Totally uninvolved, totally unaffected. So Paramatma Vastuni, the truth which is Paramatma, which is Asanga and Udasina, upon that, Tadvivarta Bhuta Ajnanadi Mithya Prapanchasya. This whole prapancha of the creation beginning from ignorance is an appearance of Paramatma such as this. Kidvastumatra avasheshataya avasthanam evapavadaha. When really we recognize, we see this fact that what we call the creation is nothing but chidmatra was nothing but pure intelligence. So nothing but the vastu or the truth which is pure intelligence or you can call it pure awareness. But awareness and consciousness are very, are, are words having lots of connotations in our mind. Therefore, even when you use the word knowledge, it has again the connotations in the mind. So use intelligence if you like. If it doesn't have connotations, whatever. So intelligence or knowledge or awareness or consciousness, that's the reason why they use sometimes the adjectives, you know. Uh, unqualified awareness, unqualified consciousness, you know. So whatever. So chid matra vastu, chid vastu matra, chid vastu matra, the vastu, the truth is pure intelligence or pure awareness or pure consciousness or the uh, knowledge, unqualified knowledge. So when we see that this creation and also my own self is nothing but that chid vastu, when we see that fact, then it is called apavada. Rajju vartasya rajju swarupa aparityagena sarpakarena bhasamanasya rajju vartasya. It's interesting. How rajju swarupa aparityagena, without giving up its true nature of rajju, rope, sarpakarena bhasamanasya rajju vartasya. So this rope, without giving up its nature of rope, without undergoing any change or transformation at all, it appears as a snake. And this is the most important thing that the Vedantins want to clarify or make it clear to us. The Raju or the rope does not undergo any change whatever. Even when the rope is taken to be a snake, it continues to remain rope. Even when I call myself a jiva or a samsari or a limited being, I continue to remain that pure awareness. Even when I brand this world as whatever, miserable and diverse and whatever it is, it continues to remain Brahman, Sarvam Khaluidam Brahman. So that is why this Raju Swarupa Aparityagena, without giving up its nature of Raju or the rope, Sarpakarena Bhasamanasya, that which appears in the form of a, of a, of a snake, that is called Rajjivivartasya. What is Apavadaha? Apavadaha is Nasaha, destruction of the snake. What is it? Adhishthana Rajjumatrataya Avasthanavata. So what we call Apavada is nothing but a total elimination of the snake. Otherwise in the world there is no destruction really. In the universe there is no creation and there is no destruction also. The only thing that can be destroyed is this superimposition. Other thing is what we call destruction, nothing but 
change from one state to another state. When we say that the pot is broken or destroyed, it has just transformed itself into another state of pieces, that's all. But really, the substance is never destroyed. In case of the snake, the snake gets completely destroyed without leaving a trace. Therefore, Apavada is also translated, or is also explained as Nasha, is explained as destruction. Adhishthana Rajyumatradaya Avasthanam And what remains is Rajyu or the rope, which is called Adhishthanam. Adhikasthanam Adhishthanam That which occupies a greater place. That which has a greater degree of reality. So what is the... Uh, how do the rope and the snake are placed with reference to each other? The rope enjoys a reality greater than that of the snake. And therefore in Vedanta we do not say that the snake is not there. We say that the snake is. But it is an appearance. It enjoys a degree of reality which is what we call mithya. Whereas the rope is that which enjoys a degree of reality which is what we call satyam. And similarly also it is not said that the world is not there. What is meant is that the world is mithya. And mithya is that which completely disappears upon inquiry. Like the snake is that which completely disappears on the inquiry, leaving Raju which is adhisthanam or the substratum. So, apavada or the nasha or the elimination or the destruction is that wherein the appearance is completely removed or destroyed, leaving in its place adhisthanam or substratum. So this process of seeing what was formerly taken to be the snake, seeing that very thing as a rope is called apavada, is called desuperimposition. Chidvivartasya agnyanadi prapanchasya nashonama chinmatratvena avasthanam ityartaha and similarly also this whole prapancha, the whole creation, including our own individuality, our own personality, which is chidvivartasya, which is nothing but an appearance of chit, appearance of the self. When that whole duality or the sense of individuality gets completely destroyed, then that process is called apavada. And it, what gets destroyed is only false. False alone can get destroyed. The real can never get destroyed. And what is left as a residue is the real. <coughs> but then you can never reduce the hope any further. And therefore, similarly also, you can reduce the whole universe from effect to the cause, from effect to the cause. Thus what we call the cloth is reduced to what we call cotton, which is the cause. And what we call cotton can be reduced to fibers, which is its cause. And fibers can be reduced to molecules, its cause. Molecules can be reduced to atoms, its cause. And atoms can be reduced to further finer and finer particles. And how long will this process of reduction go on? It will go on until all the name and form are completely reduced. Into what? Into that which is devoid of name and form. Until then the process has to go on because every name and form is an effect. If every name and form is the cause of another name and form, every name and form is an effect also. So as long as something is an effect, so long it can be reduced to the cause. It is logical therefore that this whole thing has to reduce ultimately into a state which is devoid of the idea of cause and effect, otherwise the reduction will go on. And therefore this reduction will take place until we reach a point where no further reduction is possible and that it can only be when that state is devoid of what we call the cause and effect.
and so that is why we call it the irreducible substratum, the adhisthana. <coughs> and thus this whole prapancha is completely reduced to what we call the Brahman, reduced to Brahman, which is devoid of the idea of cause and effect. That whole process is called apavada. This is what we call nasa or the destruction of the universe. Not in the physical sense, but with what we call the knowledge. In case of the snake, there is a physical destruction of the snake. The snake totally disappears. In case of the world, it is not the destruction of the world in that sense, because the world does not disappear in spite of knowing that it is mitya. In case of the world, only mitya of the creation is proven. In case of individuality also, it is not the ahankara gets destroyed completely, but it is known to be mitya. And there were some kind of a semblance of ahankara, or semblance of sense of individuality remains, which is required for what we call the vyavahara. Otherwise, there would not have been an entity called a wise man. And that discussion will come subsequently. But knowing it as chinma, chidvastu, or nothing but pure intelligence or pure awareness, this process is called akvara. <coughs> okay, that is being explained there in the next passage. Taduktam satatvato nyatha prasa satatvato nyatha prasa vikara ityudi ritah vikara ityudi ritah atatvato nyatha prasa atatvato nyatha prasa vivarta ityudi ritah vivarta ityudi ritah riti So there are now so here Atra Yathasarupena Avastivasivastunaha Anyatabhava Dridha Bhavati. So a thing becoming something else, a thing transforming itself, or thing becoming something else is twofold. So there is a twofold becoming. This is important. Yathasarupena Avasthitasya vastunaha. A vastu or a thing that obtains as it is, a thing can become different in two ways. A thing can become different from what it is in two ways. One is parinamuhavaha vivartabhavasya. One is called parinamuhavaha, which is known as transformation. That a thing can get transformed into a state other than what it is. Vivartabhavasya or a thing can appear to be different from what it is. So these are the two words, parinama and vivarta. Parinama, transformation. Vivarta, appearance. And therefore, a thing can become other than what it is in twofold ways. One either it can go through parinama or transformation, or vivarta, it can undergo what we call a just a, a, a appearance. <coughs> Tatra parinam bhavaha nama vastunaha yathasataha swasvarubam parityajya surupantarabatthi First parinam bhavaha, this is what the verse explains. Satatvaton yathapatha vikarait tudiritaha. So vikara is called modification and parinam is called transformation. It is the same thing. So modification or transformation. What is that? Anyatha prasa. 
becoming other than what one is. So Tattvataha, in reality, a thing really changing into another state is called Vikara or modification. Atattvataha Anyasapratha Vivartaha Ittudiritaha A thing without not becoming another one. So thing really becoming other than what it is is called change, and a thing not really becoming other than what it is is called appearance. <coughs> so change and appearance, these are two very important concepts. Tatra parinam haunam vastunaha yathasataha swasvarubam parichyadya swarupantarabatthi yathadudhameva swasvarubam parichyadya explains here how, for example, milk undergoes a transformation into curd. So milk, in fact, undergoes a real transformation and becomes curd. That is called the process of becoming. Milk has become curd, meaning a real transformation or a change has taken place in the milk. Milk has given up its milkness and now has become curd. So, in reality, giving up its one's own nature, and assuming the nature which is different from one's nature, is called parinamaha. This is called becoming, changing, transforming. And in Sanskrit it is called parinamaha. <coughs> then, another kind of a change, or another kind of creation. So you can say that the milk has changed into curd, or the curd is created from milk, wherein a real transformation or change is occurred in milk in order to become curd. There is an another kind of creation. Vivartha bhavastu vastunaha svasvarupa aparityagena svarupantanena mikhya pratitihi. On the other hand, what is known as vivartha or appearance is svasvarupa aparityagena without giving up one's nature. Svarupantanena mikhya pratitihi without giving up one's nature, appearing to be different from what one is, is called vivartha. Just as a rope, so just yatha rajyahu svasvarupa aparityagena sarpakayana mithya pratibhasade. Just as a rope, without giving up its ropeness, appears as a snake which is different from the rope. So milk, giving up its milkness, becomes curd. This is parinana. While the rope, without giving up its openness, appears as snake, this is called vivarta. All of this is very important because there are big debates as to what is the nature of creation. The Sankhyas and others believe that this creation is parinama, meaning that the original cause has actually undergone a transformation to become the world. And scientists also more or less believe that. Scientists also believe that whatever was the original cause, that itself undergone a transformation or real change to become this effect. In which case, the original cause is no more available. That milk is no more available, all that is available now is curd. This is called parinama or transformation. Every creation nothing but appearance that without giving up its original nature, a thing appears different from what it is, this is what is called creation. 
So according to Vedanta, the creation is similar to the creation, any kind of creation is not is similar to the creation of snake, where in fact there is rope. According to Sankhya, the other thing is, creation is similar to the creation of curve from the milk. <coughs> and that's, that's why it is Atra Vedanta Brahmani Prapanjahasya Parinamhava Nangi Kriyate. In Vedanta, we do not say that Brahman, which is the original cause, has undergone a change of transformation to become the world. We don't say that. So what is the original cause? Brahman. And how did the world come about? Not by Brahman changing into the world, but Brahman appearing as the world. Just as a rope appears as a snake, so also Brahman appears as a world. Just as a rope does not give up its ropeness, so Brahman does not give up its Brahmanness, its limitlessness, its fullness, its intelligence or whatever, and still appears as the creation. Why? Why is this so? How does it happen? Well, for which there is no end. We don't have answers. Why does the roe appear as a snake? We don't know. What is the mechanism by which the roe appears as a snake? That also we cannot give answer. Answers are given, but none of the answers is satisfactory. And therefore, Vedantins only say that somehow, in an in- inexplicable manner, the rope appears as a snake. That's all. Similarly also, in a manner that is inexplicable, somehow this one Brahman appears as a creation. So neither does Vedanta try to explain the process, nor does it even try to explain the cause. It just wants to say what it is. That it is an appearance, and therefore it is false, and that is where our main interest is. How the false appearance... So it was interesting how the scientists approached that. So our Bob Flower, you know, He's a scientist, so he used to sometimes come and have discussions with us about the creation and whatever. So we always give this illustration of how the robe appears to the snake and all the creation is of that nature. So he wanted to write down the equation. Yeah, but how does the robe become a snake? What sort of equation would apply there? I said if the equation applies then it becomes a real change. You see, equation means a real relationship. There is no relationship between the robe and snake. If there can be an equation, there can, then it will become a real thing. It is not real and therefore no equation is applicable. Anyway, so Vedante Brahmani Prapanchabhanasya Parinamabhava Anangi Kriyate. In Vedanta, we do not expect, accept that Brahma or the original cause undergone a change or transformation to become the effect, the world. Dugdhadivat Brahmana Vikaratu Prasanga. Otherwise, what happens? that Brahma becomes Vikari, Brahma becomes changing, and that which is changing or subject to change is perishable. It will perish, it will come to an end someday. Just as milk that can undergo a transformation to become curd will someday vanish because it changes. And similarly, Brahman really underwent a change, then it will become impermanent. <coughs> Anityatvadi doshapattehe in Brahman cannot be Anityam, Brahma is Nityam, so that which is nitya, that which is permanent, that which is everlasting, cannot undergo a change. For a thing to be everlasting or permanent, it must necessarily be changeless. So Brahma is changeless, everlasting, permanent. And still it is cause of this creation. That is really, it doesn't make sense. I mean, it is not conventional. A cause is that which transforms itself into effect. That is our experience. 
And therefore, people would think that original cause must have undergone a change to become the effect. And they say, no, Brahman remains as it is intact. And therefore, the, this effect called the creation can be nothing other than superimposition or appearance. <coughs> When we accept this process, this is also a model, understand? All of these are models. This rope and snake is a model. Milk and curd is a model. Golden ornament, model. Vivarta, model. Parinama, model. Each one of these words, now, you can keep on pressing these words and come up with other problems. Yeah, but the snake is like that and the world is like that. It's okay. Understand that each one is an illustration, is a model, which is meant to serve a certain purpose. Anyway, so if you find that a given model does not answer all your questions, that is only understandable because if anything answered all your questions, then that would be real. If anything would answer all your questions, then it would be a real thing. So nothing can explain everything. No particular illustration and model can explain everything. But this is an excellent model which explains the phenomenon of what we call appearance or superimposition. <coughs> and therefore, as far as Vedanta, we are concerned, Brahman remains changeless in spite of the creation being there. That's, that's fantastic. That in spite of creation coming into being and in spite of the fact that, yeah, other people say that God is merely creator and not creation. It is, so you know that there are two kinds of causes, minimum two causes are required for any creation to happen. One is the material cause and other is the efficient cause. So all the other theologies, all the religious systems present God as a creator comparable to a part maker with reference to a part. It is true that the pot maker does not undergo any change while making a pot. What undergoes change is what we call clay or the material cause. But here on the other hand, Brahman is both the creator as well as creation. Brahman is both the efficient as well as material cause. So everywhere also, in other theologies also, God is changeless, fine. But God is not material cause, God is merely efficient cause. It is true that nothing happens to the efficient cause when something happens to the effect. Even if a part falls down and breaks, nothing happens to the part maker. He remains intact. And so, so all things can happen to the world and God remains intact, which is okay. But here, we, in that case, there is a duality between the creation and God. God is different from the creation. And it has lots of problems. Life cannot be explained. Moment we separate God from this creation, if God is sitting somewhere, as long as we don't bother about those questions, we can set aside and we can pray to the Lord, it's fine. It's not that you have to keep on asking questions and get confused about it. If there is enough shraddha, that is, that is also a model. Understand? When we say that Father is in heaven, or Father is creator, is all model. And then they describe a process of creation, also is a, is a, there is a certain purpose, you know, in order to explain our life. So, all the, the great texts, give us their own way of explaining our life. So ultimate important, ultimate important is God. But at the moment world is important. How to shift our attention from world to God? That is the purpose. Anyway, here on the other hand, Brahman is not only the efficient cause, 
not only the intelligent cause, like the pot maker, but also the material cause, like the clay. And material cause is that which, as best as we understand in our practical experience, does undergo a transformation to become effect. Like the clay does undergo a transformation to become pot, otherwise it cannot. So here we are saying that Brahman, in spite of being the material cause of the creation, does not undergo a change. So rope is the material from which the snake is made, and source of Brahman is the material from which the world is made. Can you believe that? What is Brahman? Satyam, Kriyanam, Anantam. Chiddhatahu, pure awareness. Pure intelligence has, is the material from which the creation is made. How can it be? Pure intelligence is that which is changeless, because it is pure. And still, that becomes a material, the substance from which the universe is made, that can only be explained when the universe is what we call mithya or an appearance. So there are two degrees of realities. There is not duality, but two degrees of reality. So how Vedanta explains the duality? When do you call it duality? When the degree of reality is the same. We say that the milk and curd is a, the curd is a transformation of milk when the curd enjoys the same degree of reality as milk. However, the snake is not the transformation of the rope because the snake and rope do not enjoy the same degree of reality. Snake is what we call appearance or mithya and rope is what we call real. So, Vedanta does not accept duality. It, ex- it, it explains this experience of duality by what we call two degrees of reality. Satya and mithya. Satya, the truth, Mithya, the false, or real and unreal. And so duality is mithya, and that without affecting the satyatvam or the reality of truth. This is important. Vivartabhava angi karetu nayam doshaha brahmani prapanchamanasya mithyatvena vikaritu abhavat. And therefore, when we say that this creation is vivarta, is an appearance of Brahman, then it doesn't bring about any kind of a limitation or a change or or pollution to Brahman because Brahman without giving up its nature just appears as creation. It is still difficult to accept this, difficult to understand, no doubt about that. Even this concrete world is just an appearance, it's, it's very difficult for us to accept this because the world is tangible and our pleasures and pains are real. By saying this somehow still all my hurt remains in me. Actually, when we understand, if we understand this fact that the world is mithya, there should be no hurt and guilt at all. Because what can mithya do? It is comparable to my shadow, you know. What does it matter if the shadow is, is, is crushed by a car, you know. I am walking on the road and my shadow is also walking along with me on the, on the, I am on the pavement, footpath. And my shadow is, and the car passes and it crushes that shadow. Does it affect me at all? No. Why? Because I know it is shadow. It is not I. Or my reflections. Very often they appear distorted. All kinds of things are there. It doesn't bother me at all. I'm not hurt because my reflection is ugly. I'm not hurt or insulted because my reflection is distorted. Because I know that it is reflection. So when mithya or unreal is understood as unreal, there's a complete relief. There cannot be any pain or problem at all in our life. But this is what we call aparokshagnanam. It is all parokshagnanam. 
Parokshiknyanam is to understand these all models and everything else. But in the real life, it doesn't seem to work. Yes, people keep on asking, Swamiji, as long as you are sitting in the class, everything is fine. Moment you walk out of this class, everything seems to come back. Only because what is understood in the class is not understood with reference to our life. And that is what we have to understand. And that's where we have to spend all our energy. That this is mithya. Now by repeating the word mithya, we are not going to understand it as mithya. We have to make an attempt to see how this... That is why this model is given to us. This is one model given. You can have your own model, but Vedanta gives us a model of creation. To show there is no real creation and still there is a whole tangible concrete world. So this tangibility of the creation or the concreteness of the creation is, is an appearance. That is, that is why it is called really Maya. Maya is that which appears to be different from what it is. Or Maya is that which can make a thing appear to be different from what it is. So all the tangibility, solidity in our experience, and therefore all the pain and the pleasure and the things that it brings about, all of this really is in the realm of mithya. But that fact has to be seen. And really speaking, the way to solve our problem is to see the mithyatvam, regardless of what else we do in our life, in rearranging situation around ourselves, thinking that will solve the problem. And entertaining various attitudes, etc., all of them have used, but a limited use. Maintaining certain attitudes, following certain methods of, you know, uh, uh, some behavioral patterns and some approaches, all of these are helpful, all right, but they will not solve the problem ultimately. Ultimately, the problem of our pain or hurt, etc., will be solved only when we focus our attention on this fact that after all, all of this is... See this fact. Mm-hmm. What is the degree of reality of all this? And only when the mithyatma is understood, then there is no problem at all. So that is why this process of what we call apavada, or this negation, is so important. Taduktam Everywhere in the scriptures, in the Vedic scriptures, it is said, Adhishthana vasheshohi nashaha kalpita vastunaha. Kalpita vastunaha nashaha. What is the nasha or the destruction of a kalpita vastu? What is the destruction of thing that is imagined? Adhishthana vasheshohi. When a thing reduces itself to what we call the adhishthana or substratum, then we understand that there is kalpita. It is kalpana. If it is real, it must ever remain there. If it doesn't remain there, that shows that it is kalpana. <coughs> Tasmat chid vivartasya prapanchasya chin matra avasthanam eva apavadahiti bhavaha. The idea is that this whole prapancha of the creation, and really we are not interested in creation. We are not interested in anything. We are interested in our own self. We are interested in our own pain and suffering and limitation and hurt and guilt and whatever we, that's what is our interest. We don't care whether the world is real or unreal, really speaking. What do we care? We can enjoy that world as it is. What is the problem is? Our own pain. But unfortunately the pain comes because we think that the world is real. That's all. Unfortunately that pain comes because I think that that ahankara is real. The pain comes because I think that you are really different from me. That I am one individual totally separate from you. And that is why what you do affects me. Otherwise, 
if my tongue, suppose my teeth happen to bite my tongue, nothing happens to me because I know that teeth also is eye and tongue also is eye. If by chance my hand happens to hurt my eyes or something, I don't punish that, I don't get hurt. I may have pain all right, but not hurt, which is an emotional problem. And why? Because I know that hand also is eye and the eyes are also is eye. But when you are different and I am different, then whatever you do has altogether a different effect on me. Either I am happy or I am unhappy. So this, this duality, which is an appearance, but it appears so real to us, and unless we address ourselves to the reality of that, the problem will not be ultimately solved. And so problem will be relatively solved, which also has to be solved. I mean, you know, we have to have values in our life, attitudes in our life, no question about it. We have to understand the mind and we have to conduct ourselves properly. All of that is fine, but ultimately what we call the pain will go only when we address ourselves to the reality of, of life or reality of what we are encountering, the reality of our conclusions. So, chid vivartasya prapanchasya chid that this apavada is, that the whole prapancha of the creation, or including the ahankara, is seen as merely chit or awareness. And in order to support that, from somewhere else, the author quoted this verse, satattvaton yatha prasa vikarayatyu diritah, atattvaton yatha prasa vivartayatyu diritah, that vivarta is actual modification, vikara is actual modification, Whereas the vivarta is an appearance only. <coughs> okay. Om Puranamada Puranamidam Puranat Puranamudachyade Puranasya Puranamadaya Puranameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutau Vande Bhagavantau Punaf Punaha Ishvaro Guru Ratmedi Murti Veda Vibhagine Vyomavadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Namaha Hari Om